Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. Joshua 317, uh, 3, 1 through 17. Um, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know the living God is among you. that he will certainly drive you drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in, in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp across the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at a flood stage during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up a great heap, piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. And while the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Let's pray. God, as you revealed yourself to Joshua and the Israelites thousands and thousands of years ago, would you reveal yourself to us this morning? So here's what we have. Here's what we know from this scripture. The Israelites have been told that you're about to enter into this promised land, and it's going to be yours. They've been told that for years, and they spent 40 years just on the outskirts wandering in the desert because of some sin that had occurred, because of some doubt in who their God was. And now... God's word stood true, and the 40 years is up, and that generation has now died. If you remember, Moses died like right before this. They're about to enter in. But here's what we know. There's an obstacle in the way, right? It's a big river. They didn't have bridges back then. Or maybe they did, but they didn't have one here. There's no bridges. There's a big river. And God's told them to go when? During the flood season. During the harvest, where it's at its highest. Now, 
I don't know if you guys have ever been at or near a river that was rushing. Uh, you may have. I've seen them on TV. I remember uh, a couple years ago, I had just moved out from Nashville about three or four years earlier, and the road, the highway, the interstate actually, Interstate 24 that I used to travel every day, uh, had turned into a river because the whole town flooded. I mean, literally, like a building was floating down I-24, a building that I, that I know where it was at. It was like, you know, half a mile off the interstate. So I used to pass it on when I go a back way. It had actually, like, that's how powerful water is. It had picked this building up and is now floating down Interstate 24. It's crazy. It's wild to see. It's one of those things that if you don't know the area, you may not understand how significant it was. But knowing the area very intimately and driving and living, you know, I lived like a mile from that interstate. Um, it, that was wild to see. You may have never seen that. When I was, when I was uh, 22 years old, uh, some friends and I went and hiked through the Himalayan mountains. And the deal was you camped wherever there was water. So you would stop and camp wherever there was water so that you had uh, you get your water pump and draw out fresh water uh, so you could carry with you when you hiked. You could also take a bath if you wanted to. Water is very useful. You could boil it and cook meals. So, so useful and so necessary in this situation that anytime there was water, we stopped and camped. And there were times where the, the it was a stream. I mean, it was really like you had to kind of get find some rocks and dam it up just to get a pool of water to draw out what you needed. And there were other times it was this rushing thing. But the thing was, all the water there was flowing off of glaciers that were high up on the mountains. So the glaciers are melting off. And so in the warmer seasons, which is when you want to be there in the Himalayas hiking, is when it's really just moving. And in the colder seasons, there's less uh, melt off. And so it's just, it's not quite as flowing. And so here we are in the middle of the summer. It was, uh, it was in the end of August and beginning of September. And it's just, there was some times we get to, it's just moving. But there was this one and we had, we'd been walking for, uh, couple days and hadn't been able to, you know, because the water was, you know, flow wasn't really good enough, we weren't able to get a bath. You kind of start to, you can imagine how that scene was. You had enough for density, but it was a luxury. And so this one place we get in, it was actually pretty deep and we could get in and take a bath. And so I was like, okay, let's do this. Freezing cold. Don't, don't mistake that. But you could only get in about, you know, if, you, if the, the river probably measured across probably 50 feet. It's probably twenty. Uh, it's probably twenty yards or so. So maybe sixty feet across. But you could really only go in like the first three or four feet because you get a little bit further out and you hit a current and it's just the current's moving. I mean, there's big rocks in the middle. It's white water and the whole deal. And and so uh, you know the girls go down first and we stay up at camp and then they come back. We go down me and the couple of guys and you get in. And man, this is great. But you do not like we kind of were joking with each other because we we're. Uh, strong and stupid. Uh, like we were going to push each other out there, but none of us really would have done it because that would have been a bad scene. I mean, you're gone. So, I mean, it, but it was just rushing. So you're really being careful to stay where this kind of area has been pulled up and it's kind of flat and still because if you move two feet that way, you're gone. You know, it's, there's no stopping that. And uh, and so it's, it's that's a scary scene. But here, and there's no way to get to the other side. And that was the weird part about this story was there were some German hikers who were on the other side who came down and got on the other side of the river. And it was a little weird to be taking a bath in a river, but there's no way to cross. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't possible. 
uh, at least not right there. You'd have to walk way far upstream or downstream. There was no place to pass right there. And, and I wouldn't have, have attempted it even. But here we are. The Israelites find themselves in a very similar state. God has told them to cross over. So in fact, you're going to cross over. That's the land I've given you. So they have this promise of this thing. And there's this obstacle in the way. And what we know, because we've already read all 17 verses, is that God smooths the way for this miracle to happen. There's a couple things that I want us to draw out of this. And so the first thing that I want you to, to remember, you know, pull out of your memory from Sunday school or from church times in the past, or if you never knew it, hear it now, the Ark of the Covenant for the people of Israel represented God himself. So here's the word picture that they received from God. You don't know where you're going. Remember, God says that. You've never been here before. You don't know where you're going. So what are you to do? Follow the ark. What it meant to the Israelites is follow God. God's going to lead you. You don't know where you're going. I'm going to tell Joshua to instruct the Levites on where to carry this ark, and you're going to follow that. And that's going to be your path forward. There are a lot of times, we're just going to sit here for one second because that is so simple, not very deep, not groundbreaking, but how many times in our day, how many times in our week, how many times in our month, we move before we see God tell us to cross. I, I do it a lot. I pray every day that it's less and less and less. And the interesting thing is, and we were talking about this as a worship team before anybody got here this morning, but the more often you follow God in little small things, the easier it is to hear God than the bigger things. We don't often pray, God, do you, when James was telling a story about uh, talking to a, a, a guy at, a, at an event that he had to go to this week. And the comment that he said, and at the time when he said it, it kind of struck me funny, but now I'm like, no, it shouldn't have struck me funny at all. Well, he's like, I didn't even pray whether I should talk to him or not. And we don't even think to ask God, you know, even with the smallest details of our life, is this what you would have me to do? Now, we all incorporate God because we want to hear very clearly, right? I want you to move. I want you to change jobs. I want you to move to a different country. I want you to move to a different thing. I want you to reconcile with somebody. Like those big things, like we really want and need God. Please reveal yourself to me. Show to me. God didn't say just when we're crossing the, the Jordan River, which is when they would need God to show up. He said, you're going to follow me wherever, wherever this goes because you don't know the way. And we do this very often where we just plod forward. I do this very often. And I just plod forward without really asking God, is this what you'd have me to do? Is this a conversation you want me to have? Is this, is this a place you want me to be? Is this a situation that you want me to engage myself in? Waiting on God, because if the Levites hadn't moved for 40 more years, what were they to do? Just wait for 40 more years. Wasn't, wasn't what happened, but that was the implication. You don't move until you see this move. And so they moved. They had been trained a little bit in this, right? As they're wandering, they moved when the cloud moves, right? And if it was at night, it was lit up by fire. They moved and they moved. 
here's this actual word picture. You're not moving until this ark moves, till God himself moves. You're not going to move in there. And then when the scripture tells us, the writer of Joshua tells us, and then you'll know which way to go. Then you'll know which way to go. The second thing before the miracle was received, because the miraculous we know happened, the water piled up in a heap outside of Adam. They were able to cross. But before that happened, God has specific instructions through Joshua to the people of Israel. And what was it? Do you remember? Well, you better stay awake. Absolutely. But he said, consecrate yourself today because God's going to do a great work in you tomorrow. You're going to see God work. The implication for them was make yourself holy. Get yourself right. Do what is necessary to be obedient to the God who is about to lead you and do something mighty. Consecrate yourself. Wash yourself clean. Get it right. It's interesting to me, those words. Man, i got to find it quick so somebody sees it. Just yell out the verse. Yeah, it was on the 17 one. Five, yeah. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. A lot of times we find ourselves, especially when we, when we come here, you know, hoping and wanting God to do amazing things among us. Now that can obviously be corporately, it could also be individually. If we're wanting to see God do something amazing in our family, if we want to see God do something amazing in my career, and consecrate yourselves because tomorrow God's going to do something amazing in your sight. Recall, Jesus actually said something very similar. Jesus, Jesus' language was a little different. He used the word consecrate. If you remember, Jesus said, be holy just as I am holy. And this is what I want you to strive for. This is what I want you to be. Jesus didn't say, try to be holy as I am holy. He said, be holy as I am holy. That is not even possible, right? Like it's impossible. What did Jesus tell them when, when the disciples said something was impossible? They were talking about the going camel going through the eye of the needle. He says, this, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Consecrate yourself. Get it right with God, because tomorrow I'm going to do a great thing among you. That, that right now as a church, we're in this, we're in this place where we're really wanting to see God do something. And my hope and my prayer is that our collective hope and our collective prayer is that we see God do something amazing and easily, even if numbers here don't change. But that through us, God sees, God does something amazing. But there's some, there's some things there for us. We have to consecrate ourselves. We have to collectively consecrate ourselves because tomorrow God's going to do something great. And I can't wait to see it. But we have to consecrate ourselves. In fact, not to tip any uh, any bit of the story, but it, in, a, in just a couple of chapters, we're actually going to see a word picture play out of one of their own who actually desecrated himself. In fact, he desecrated um, the whole community because of what he did. He, his name was Achan, 
and he goes into this place and he steals some stuff. He, God said, you know, God gave him specific instructions, just like God gave to Saul a couple of thousand years later. But he tells them not to, to, t- to touch it. Achan takes it and steals some of the holy things. And as a result, they get whooped by a little small country and they lose people that day. God's call is to consecrate ourselves, to be holy as he is holy because he's about to do great things. We should plant verse 5 of Joshua 3 just like on his own kind of in a, or somewhere. You know, If you're doing experience in God, one of the things is he wants you to do memory verses. And he has his own kind of in the back of the book that he's encouraging you to do. I'd encourage you to memorize this one. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And so what happened next? God, after that, gives instruction to Joshua. And he says, I'm going to do something among you and through you so that they know that I am who I say I am, right? I'm going to do something among you and through you. And he wasn't talking about so the Canaanites knew, so the Girgashites, the Perizzites, the, you know, uh, Dustmites, the, you know, any of those folks. He didn't say so they will know. He said, I'm going to do something along you so, so the people, so the Israelites know that you that I'm working through you in the same way I worked through Moses. I'm going to do something amazing. So they have the, the courage in me to know that, not that I've called you guys to drive out all these people. What does he say? They, they'll believe in me that I'm going to do these things. God takes all of the pressure off. And he says, I'm going to do all of it. What was their one instruction? Well, two instructions, really. Follow God when he led. Be strong and courageous. That was in verse, that was in chapter one. Be strong and courageous, right? But but in this specific chapter, they were kind of given, the people of Israel were given two instructions. One was don't go until you see God go. And the second one is consecrate yourselves. They weren't given anything else. That's what God says through Joshua. And he says, this is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all those people. He says, see, God's going to go before you and you're going to see this miraculous thing happen and you're going to have faith in who that is to remember how powerful he is to know that he is going to drive these people out. And so their call was to cross over at flood stage. So, okay, now it's time to cross over. Could have happened not during flood stage. That wasn't how God intended to do it. So now he's told them, now's the time to go. And what was Joshua's instructions to the Levites? Just going out and walking in the middle of the river. Can you imagine being one of those guys, right? You're carrying this Ark of the Covenant. If you remember, like there was a point in time, a couple thousand years later, where somebody stumbled and it started to rock and they just put their hands on it to kind of steady it and they died, Right? Like there and there, here they are carrying this thing, and they're told to go in this rushing river. That is, that takes some unbelievable faith. You may you may think that God's called you to do something remarkable, 
That takes pretty remarkable faith right there. Uh, I have stood on the edge of a river. I don't know how big this river was and how fast it was rushing, but I've stood on the edge of a river, actually got into it, taken a bath. I did not want to step half an inch into the, the main flow of that river. But here these guys are, and they've been instructed by God to step out into the middle. And so they did it. But here's the interesting word picture for the Israelites. God was asking them to do something very dangerous. What was that? Step into the middle of the water with the river rushing. That's what God asked them to do. But the word picture was they weren't asked to step out into that, to that river before God did, right? God was not calling them to do, to do something, go to a place where he wasn't going to or willing to go. And so the Levites stepped out. What happened? Well, we have these pictures in our brains of what happened, right? And it says that the, that the, you know, the, that the, the, the water just piled up outside of Adam and it allowed to go on dry land. But here's something James pointed out to me last week. He said, you ever thought about this? I was like, no, I had never thought about that. What, is, what does it say? What did they cross over on? Dry ground. Now, if we went out there and dried up the, you know, piled up the sewer river, dammed it up, how long would it take for that ground to become dry? Not only was the miraculous part that the water piled up, but they didn't, they didn't, they didn't try through mud, you know, ankle deep or worse. They say they passed over on dry ground where this river's rushing at flood stage. God did an unbelievable miracle. He asked them to do two things. Don't go before you see me go and consecrate yourself. That is where we're just going to cut it off. I don't know that I can add any more to that. God may be calling you, he is calling you to something miraculous. I don't know what that is. Because anytime God moves something, it's miraculous, big or small. This morning, if you read our daily bread, it talks about knowing where God's protection has been on your life. Where you may not even, I mean, not knowing it, but even realizing, acknowledging that God's protection and care has been on your life in places you didn't even know. And I shared a story with them about how God did something for me in our business back in last December that just seemed like, oh, it's cool that happened and didn't really understand the implications until this summer. And realized if that little small thing hadn't happened, we'd have probably been belly up and had to sell this by summer. And I can look back now and say, God, thank you so much for that happening. I had no clue. At the time I saw this, it was just, that's, a, that's cool. Good job. But God, you did something. And so acknowledging that God is constant. So anytime God does something big or small, it is miraculous in what God does. It is supernatural. And we sometimes just gloss over that. God is calling you to something that's only, that only he can accomplish. But God, and, and that's true for your life individually. But that's also true for Mosaic Church corporately. God has amazing plans for this group of people. But he's called us to do two things. To not go until he goes. To consecrate ourselves. Get things right, make things holy, just as he is holy. Ask God to come in and cleanse what is wrong 
Ask God to reveal where there is sin or division or whatever it is so that we can clean it out so that we can see God do this amazing work that he has called us to. There was an obstacle in the way, and God's miracle smoothed it out. In your life, there's obstacles in the way, but God can smooth that out. For Mosaic, there's obstacles in the way, but God can smooth it out. But here's the thing. He may, not, he may be calling us into something that seems very dangerous, uh, very unorthodox, maybe something that seems very uh, unintelligent. Because how easy it would have been for Levites to say, let's just wait, you know, till next season. I mean, just a couple months, and the river's going to be good, and it'll be a lot better. God said, go now. Follow where and when God's going and consecrate yourselves. So this morning, as a reminder, we get to come to the table to remember the gift that God gave us where, in fact, he took on all that was unholy, that was unrighteous about our lives, took it on himself so that when the Father looked down on us, he would see us, a people who are holy just as he is holy. Not because we were able to do it, but because Christ did it. And we get to come and, and remember that each week. We get to tell that story each week of God's faithfulness and how he has loved us. And this here is just a word picture just right in front of us of that faithfulness that we should have had the sin in our lives cause payment from our lives. And God said, nope, I got it all for you. So just hear this, Willie, uh, with, with, uh, with our friend Bobby. Uh, there's a lot of things that we try to hide from God. Uh, and he did not withhold any of that from us. So I just thought you guys say that. So anyway, let's pray. Let's come with thanksgiving in our hearts and our minds about what God has done to make us holy so that we could consecrate ourselves before him because we just really just can't. Like you, Paul told us none of us are good. No, not one. But God is. And so we get to worship that God. So let's pray. God, you are faithful. You are good. Hear our prayers this morning. God, we can't make ourselves holy as you are holy. We need you. God, may we not move before you move us. But God, may we have the boldness to move when you are moving and where you are moving. We love you, God, in your name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasley.org.